2: From D2 to D3 Summer, spring, and fall We cover the sports and we cover them all
3: With J.T. Mitchell Rest sports Full reports Listen here Throughout the years
2: can't get over that intro great stuff here from the team at super talk mississippi media i'm your host jt mitchell and this is from d2 to d3 your new home for division two and division three sports coverage across the magnolia state so what do you say is everybody out there currently nursing a hangover after the weekend that was in college football i know a lot of the Ole miss fans probably are after that big win over lsu yesterday but one of the storylines that slid under the radar yesterday was that all four of our Division II and Division Three teams came away with wins on the same day for the first time this season. And we're going to dive more into that, what we know as the season hits the halfway point and then we have a very special interview with a little girl who has actually played an integral role in the Belhaven Blazer success this season. You're not going to want to miss that, so stay with us. As always, this episode is brought to you by Eve's Law Firm. It does not matter what your issue is. You might as well have the best attorneys in the state on your side. Go ahead and call them. Tell them JT sent you 601-355-7961, or if you'd rather do it on the interweb, that's eveslaw.com, and if you want to get in the game and start supporting our efforts to give these Division two and Division three schools the coverage they deserve, you can text or call I'm sure we can work out a deal to make you the next sponsor of From D2 to D3 So like I said it was wins all around for the D2 and D3 schools in Mississippi Delta State 47 West Alabama 17 Mississippi College 30 Shorter 14 Bellhaven 35 North Carolina Wesleyan 14 and then Millsaps Sigh of relief from all the Majors fans out there. They got the first win of the season, 14-8, to over Birmingham Southern. So we're here. We have reached the midway mark of the college football season, at least in terms of D2 and D3. You have 10 regular season games. We're done with five. The playoffs will kick off here in a little over a month, and that's kind of crazy considering it feels like football season just started. But we have learned a lot about all four D2 and D3 programs we have. I've been to a game of each. I've watched all the live streams Members of my team have also made it out to a handful of games. So let's hit it and let's just get into three things we know about every team. Delta State, Mississippi College, Millsaps, and Bellhaven. Starting with the number six slash number eight Delta State statesmen. The reason we have the two rankings is because there's two we rely on here. That's D2Football.com, and then it's the AFCA Coaches Poll. So three things about the Delta State Statesman we know five games in. Number one, Patrick Shegog is really freaking good. I mean, he might even be better this year, and last year he was named the conference's Offensive Player of the Year, and expectations were high for Patrick, but he's met and even exceeded them in his sixth year in Cleveland. He did leave the game early last night, but we're hoping that he can come back and play this upcoming Saturday and the rest of the season. But so far on the year, his stats are mind-boggling. He has 1,190 yards passing, 324 yards rushing, with 21 total touchdowns responsible for. And here's the sticking point, zero interceptions. That's a big goose egg in terms of turnovers through the air. He was named D2Football.com's Offensive Player of the Week last week and well-earned. I mean, if he keeps playing like this, he can definitely be a candidate for the Harlan Hill Trophy And I've seen this conversation kind of spark up on Twitter. And it's whether Patrick Shegog deserves to be the first Delta State player to win the Connerly Trophy, given out each year to Mississippi's top college football player since 2000. And I think so if he keeps playing like this. Last week against Shorter, a guy at the game who works for Super Talk, he texted me and said, "Patrick Shegog, more like Patrick She Goat." I'm sure you get the reference. That was after he had gone off for seven touchdowns. super good, and so I will weigh in on the Connerly conversation I've been seeing, and to all the Delta State fans out there, I agree. It's about time a player not from Ole Miss or Mississippi State wins it. I think Shadur Sanders from Jackson State should have won it at least once during his two years at Jackson State. He's now showing that he's arguably better than Will Rogers and Jackson Dart now that he's on the FBS level, so hopefully that will kind of put the thought into some of these voters' minds and maybe Patrick shegog will be the first player since 2011, not from Ole Miss or State, to win the Connolly Trophy, especially if he just keeps playing like he has been. Number two, I think the Delta State defense is much better than people might have expected. Coach Cooley told us before the season that he was confident in that group, especially considering that the guys were older. This time last year, nearly everybody was new. They're currently allowing a little over 16.2 points per game and are number two in the GSC in total defense. They're actually ranked number two in both total defense and total offense after five weeks of play. But like you all know, defense is what really wins championships. And for Delta State to make a deeper run, in this year's playoffs last year they were they were stopped in the second round the defense is going to have to keep playing like they have been especially with this next point, which is number three. This next stretch of games is going to be very telling for Delta State. So far, so good, of course, but the schedule is about to get much tougher. They have number 22, Valdosta State, on the road this weekend, and they get somewhat of a breather at home against North Greenville, but that's not really a team that you can sleep on. They put together a relatively explosive second half against top 10 West Florida yesterday. Delta State will then host West Florida, The next week, that's probably going to be the biggest game of the regular season for the Statesmen. They then traveled to West Georgia before ending the season against Mississippi College for homecoming. So just to kind of put this all into perspective on what the first five looked like versus the next five for Delta State, the overall record, the combined record of the first five teams they beat is 4-20. That's not very good. The next five teams, the overall record so far is 15 and eight, with the Choctaws having the worst of those records at two and three. So the next five games are huge for Delta State with how the rest of the season and the playoffs might unfold. And speaking of Mississippi College, here's what I know so far. Number one, they did get the win over Shorter yesterday. Shout out to head coach John Bland. It was his 100th win since taking over in 2014, and that's great. And I hope it helps turn the corner for this football program. But so far, this team is not a four-quarter team. If you've watched any of their games that wasn't the first and wasn't the most recent, you'll know that they're not a fourth-quarter team. they started the year with that win over NAIA Kaiser. Okay, good. Then they went to Midwestern State, who last year they started ranked, kind of stumbled throughout the season into a winning record. And Mississippi College was winning 17-13 after three quarters, but gave up 17 fourth-quarter points and lost 30-17. to Again, against West Georgia, same story, different day. They were up 28-24 after three, but lost it again in the fourth. Last week against West Alabama, do I really need to tell you? I will. They were up 7 to 3 after three, but let the other team score in the fourth 10-7 ball game not in the favor of MC. They did have two chances to tie, but they just couldn't do it. So what does that tell you? It tells me that this team needs to learn how to play in the fourth quarter. That's the difference between a 2 and 3 record and a 5 and 0 record is not finishing in the fourth quarter. The second point I know about Mississippi College is that the defense is better than the offense, but neither are doing it when it counts, and that's the fourth quarter. The Choctaw defense, after five games, is giving up three touchdowns a game. That's not bad, um, but some of these fourth quarter performances have just been hard to watch because you know the margin is so thin between a great season and a waste of a season. Just played the last 15 minutes, but they're not so far. And like I said, part of the off part of the issue is the offense. So, point number three: the offense for Mississippi College has to get it figured out. Yesterday was better. We knew coming into this season that there's a new O.C. in town. And Coach Bland told us before the year that they're going to start passing the ball more. It's It might look kind of like a hybrid triple option spread offense as they've been so reliant on the triple option for the last few years. But so far, the passing game just hasn't come to full fruition yet. They've put up about 430 yards through the air eleven hundred on the ground through three games. And I'm just glad this offense has two really good running backs in Ron Creighton and Marcus Williams. Both of those guys are studs and of course are atop the GSC at number three and number six, respectively, in terms of rushing yards. But if I sound worked up about Mississippi College, it's because I am. This team has a lot of good pieces. That's apparent if you watch. But if you also watch, you see that this is a three-quarter ball club, and poor play in the fourth quarter has prevented them from being right there with Delta State at the top of the GSC at 5-0. and Let's go to Millsaps. Three things I've noticed so far about the majors. Number one, this team is a polar opposite program than it was at the beginning of the year. I watched the first two games in person, and they were just bad. As simple as that, they weren't blocking well, they were tackling too high, the skills guys weren't making any big plays, they were outscored 100-9 in the first two games against Bellhaven and McMurray, but then the switch started to flip, and I think it was because of this next point. Number two. Freshman quarterback Gray Jennings has proved to be a spark plug for the offense. I know Coach York was high on Brody Davis going into the year, but Jennings has come in and taken full advantage of the opportunity, and that's what you have to do in this game. Against Sewanee. Jennings went for 345 yards passing and almost came away with the win against my alma mater. I thought they were going to do it there at the end. Against Hendricks, he had an even better game, 418 yards Five touchdowns and a comeback effort that was just cut short. You can't start coming back when the clock's working against you. Just get it right from the get-go. Then yesterday against Birmingham Southern, they did. They got it right from the get-go, and the numbers weren't eye-popping for Jennings, but they were clean, and he did get the job done. 130 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and Millseps got their first win of the year. Good call by Coach York going with the freshman. Number three, Tamias Mason has exploded onto the scene. Yesterday against Birmingham Southern, he only had 40 yards, but I'm looking at the other two games that I watched. Against Swanee, he had 139 yards and a touchdown. Against Hendricks, 192 yards and two touchdowns. I think the key to these next couple of games is get the ball into the hands of number six as much as you can. He's doing some really good things over there on State Street. And I do think the Millsaps can win a couple more ball games before the season is over. I may have to eat crow on saying they'll exceed last year's win total. Maybe I won't, but I do think they can beat Rhodes, Center southwestern, they have the ability to do that. It's about if they execute. I don't think Millsaps currently has the roster to compete with Barry or Trinity. Last but not least, the Bellhaven Blazers. Three things I've noticed so far, and here's a little asterisk. They've only played four games. You know there's a bye week in football. We're talking about the midway mark, but it's it's that's semantics. It's practically the midway mark. Number one, Bellhaven is a playoff-caliber team. Get that in your head. I think if all goes as planned, Mississippi will have representation on both the D2 level and the D3 level when the playoffs come around next month. Belhaven's looked very good, but this next week is a huge game when we're talking about the postseason. The D3 playoffs are not easy to make. Just 35 of 265 teams selected each year, but Belhaven can do it, but they got to beat Huntington this upcoming weekend, and I really think if they beat them, they'll win out and go to the playoffs for the first time in school history Number two on the list of three things I've noticed so far about Bellhaven is they can run the dang ball. They can run the hell out of the ball. You can physically watch the opposing defense's tire when they're playing the Blazers. Right now, they're averaging over 290 rushing yards a game, best in the conference, and not just best, best by nearly 100 yards. Of course, Colby Blunt is killing it, 465 yards and six touchdowns on the year. But Devin Daniels has also come onto the scene with 302 yards of his own and a few scores. Both of those guys rank in the top five for the USA South, and quarterback Tim Johnson is nothing to sleep on either. He's got three scores and can use his legs when necessary. Number three, the defense is top-notch, and Coach McCormick and company have done a really good job of filling some holes that were left after last year's team, whether it was due to graduation or the transfer portal. Andrew Huddleston has done a great job of taking over that linebacker spot left open by all time. Great Connor Fordham and Carlton Brown has been the man. We knew he was down there in the trenches. Some other guys like Taylor chance and Wyatt Beck have also played a big role. So like I said, this weekend is huge for Bellhaven. They have the number one offense and the number two defense. Huntington is coming into town with the number one defense and the number two offense in the conference. I'll, of course, be there. That's a 12 o'clock kickoff at the Bellhaven Bowl in Jackson. And, man, I cannot stress enough, if Bellhaven wins that, I think we're home free from there. So those are three things for Delta State, Mississippi College, Millsaps, and Bellhaven. I've noticed so far as we're practically at the midway mark of the 2023 college football regular season, and we're not done with Bellhaven quite yet. I'm a little worked up. You know, I want all of our Mississippi teams to succeed, so maybe this next interview will bring me some inner peace. And hopefully it will to you also. I'm about to pass the microphone over to my good friend and co-worker, Rebecca Turner. She's the host of Good Things with Rebecca Turner every weekday from 2 to 3 on the Super Talk Network. And she recently took some time to interview eight year old Natalie Hughes. Hughes, who is battling a plastic anemia, is considered the little sister of the Bellhaven football team and is just a prime example of some of these heartwarming moments that college football in the South brings pretty much year in and year out. So without further ado, I'll pass the mic over to Rebecca.
1: Joining us is Miss Natalie Hughes. She's an eight-year-old who has grown up faster than maybe she had to due to some some tough circumstances. But she has a love for the Belhaven University Blazers, and they are showing that love back. And we're going to learn more about her story. Her dad, John, also joins us today in the studio. So hey, Natalie. Hello. How are you doing? I am great. So you just got into central Mississippi. Where did you and your dad drive from? We drove from like to get here.
3: Well yeah where's home? Where okay so home is in Greenville. We mm-hmm. drove all the way here to meet you guys. I'm very excited to be
1: here. And you're very you're a big football fan I hear. Yes. You're at least a Bellhaven University Blazers fan. Yes. Okay, so I love this story, um, Natalie, but, but unfortunately it starts because maybe life threw you a little bit of a curveball. Would you like to share with us what life has looked like uh, for you at eight? Yes. So once I turned eight, things started
3: a bit more to go uphill with mm-hmm. my disease
1: and stuff.
3: And so when that. did
1: you start feeling sick?
3: Probably, it started after I got home from the beach 12 days later. I think I was either four or five years old. Three or four, I don't know. And You were five. I was five. And it, it was a really nice surprise. And I thought at first, oh, this is just going to be like some short
1: thing. But it really wasn't. Turned into something a little bit um, different. And long. And long. Dad, that's any parent's worst nightmare is to sort of, you know, come home from the beach and be sick. Okay, number one. It
0: was definitely horrible.
1: (laughs) So, help us kind of understand the journey she has been over, been on for the last couple of years. But I'm glad to hear we're on an upswing.
0: Like she said, at five, she was diagnosed with aplastic anemia, which is a pretty uncommon disease or condition. her bone marrow stopped producing blood, and the bone bone marrow just essentially died, I guess is the way to say it. But, uh, so quite a few months in the hospital with blood transfusions, platelet transfusions, uh, countless medicines. You know, she couldn't fight infection, just it was horrible. But, uh, so they did a treatment, and we were kind of limping along with, you know, Monthly, I think we got the best we got was that monthly before your transplant, monthly visits to the hospital. You know, it would up and down. Mm -hmm. And
1: then. Were y'all coming here to Jackson? We were. To to
0: children's. Right. Uh, And then it just kind of took a turn for the worse, and the medication and the treatment that she had failed. And. We battled back and forth with that for a little while, and then finally the the end result was a bone mer- or yeah, a bone marrow transplant, and that was February February twenty fourth, I believe, was the day that she had it of this year. Of this year.
1: All right. And then things are looking up.
0: She did the isolation, and that was horrible. She's had to be a a not-so-kid-kid a, a not kid for quite a while.
1: But, Natalie, you have a smile on your face, and you have seem to stay strong and fight through. Where do you get your little fighting spirit from? Well, I... Okay.
3: So, it just depends on family. I realized I have two options. I can sit in this hospital bed all day and not get to succeed in life and just die right there and then and there and or or i can keep my life going and keep having adventures like i do and keep having a happy life and actually work with somebody here you're pretty wise for eight
0: yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she, she because is.
1: we really all have those two options uh, maybe on different levels every day, Natalie. We can either sit and wallow in, in what life has thrown at us or we can choose to continue our adventures and have a positive positive outlook. And I know that helps too when you've got people rallying around you, which obviously the Belhaven University Blazers has been a part of that. Yes. Do they get a, do they make you happy? Yeah. Once they showed
3: up, I was kind of in a like kind of confused. Like I thought they were just there to support me, like everyone else. They were. And I didn't know what kind of standard it would go to until this moment.
1: So, so Dad, how did that connection happen? With because you know, I mean, being in Greenville, unless you have a family connection, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, family friend. One of one of family friends goes there to Belhaven as part of the team and Coach McCorkle reached out and he's he's a an amazing person and he wanted to show support and said, Do you mind if we come and cheer her on? And I said, like, Well, yeah, that'd be awesome. You can't come inside. We're you know, we're locked in the or the transplant unit. And I said, But we have a, a really good view of the, the the outside entrance. And he said, I'll tell you what we're gonna show up. That's cool. And it just happened to be it was a wasn't a so great time in the process of the transplant. She was having some complications and we we're being transported down to the PICU that day. So we were waiting on them to show up and she got cheered on and taken downstairs and or upstairs I guess
1: was it feel like to see all those big cornbread fed boys <laughs> come to cheer to cheer you on, Natalie? It was actually amazing. And
3: what surprised me the most is they walked they walked all the way there just to see a normal human being and I felt really I would say you're pretty special. Well, I'm special but just to see a human being.
0: Well they put time into it too. They had signs, they had they had the works. Doing somersaults out front.
1: Yep. It was pretty awesome. So it, it goes to show that a simple act of kindness can go a long way for someone who's having a hard day. Yeah.
0: For sure.
1: And it didn't stop there because they decided to just sort of take you in and make you their, their little sister. You got to be something special. You are something special, but you got to hold a special spot. What's the tradition they have there at Belhaven?
3: Well, every football game, they flip a coin, and I got
1: to do that, but unfortunately.
0: Really? She's asking about the walk.
1: Yeah, but that's cool too. Yeah. So, the walk, how did you. how? Tell us about the walk that you got to do. I walked through thousands
3: of people <laughs> like thousands it, like everyone was screaming i heard people screaming my name too and a few people were, were like uh, like saying go now like
0: oh, nice. that was awesome it wasn't yeah, just it was the team and the entire school knows her story and it's it's pretty cool
1: and they won that game. They did. So you got to lead out on their victory walk, which is where the tradition there at Bellhaven, where they come down the street before they go in for the game. It was their opening game, if I remember correctly. I met your your wonderful story watching it unfold on the news. I was like, "Who is that beautiful little girl who is getting to trot all those um, big dudes into into victory?" You you did not miss a beat. You knew exactly what you were were doing. Did you feel at home there, leading it leading the way? Yeah. Yeah, and they won. And I, real, and
3: I found out that I'm actually very good at football.
1: Are you? Which position do you play?
3: No, I don't play yet, <laughs> but I found out that I can catch a football. Like, I cannot catch anything else, but when they put a football in front of me and we were playing football, I was playing football with somebody.
1: They, I was actually really good, so... Well, I, that is that is something a lot of people can't do is catch a football. So you definitely have skills, Miss Natalie. What are your hopes and dreams as you as you grow up and put this chapter of life behind you? Are you going to be attending Bill Haven? Probably for college because it's a college. Mm-hmm. Gonna take me a while to get there. That's because you're eight, but you're headed in that direction. So do they have a game? Are you following the football team now? Do they have a game this weekend? Yes, they do. Who do they play? They play the. I'm impressed that you knew they had a game. So, and I am super impressed that you are a wise little eight year old and happy to hear that you are on the upswings with your health, and you now got a good. You're now part of the Good Things family. So anytime y'all are back in Jackson, stop by and say hi. Okay. Yep. And thank you. I just I feel like my
3: best support was my family.
2: Man, I do think that interview brought me some serenity, much needed, and I tell you what, I don't think I was that well-spoken at eight years old. Natalie is definitely wise beyond her years, and just great job by the Bellhaven football team for taking her in and making her part of it all. I know she had to have been ecstatic being there game one with y'all, flipping the coin and then running out onto the field. As for me, that about wraps us up for the day. If you missed last week's episode, it was one of the best yet. I got the chance to catch up with legendary sports columnist Rick Cleveland, and together we reflected on the life of our friend, the late Boo Ferris, Boston Red Sox, and Delta State. Great. You can find that episode along with all other episodes of From D2 to D3 on supertalk.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. It's all there under the Sports Talk Mississippi label. So that's it for me today. I'm J.T. Mitchell, your host, and we'll catch you next time on From D2 to D3